Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Boom Biology Podcast. I'm your host, Benin Topper, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about scientific illustration. So we are interviewing Tatiana today, and it's going to be a really interesting episode, so please tune in for the whole thing. Now, in school, we were always kind of told that you were either an artistic person or a scientific person, and you couldn't really pursue both of those interests together. You either chose a science degree or an arts degree, and it really kind of you either picked one or the other you didn't really have your choice to do both so on today's episode we're finding a way to break that by learning about this field called scientific illustration and it's new it's growing and it's an exciting field to join so for anybody interested in both science and art and wants to do it simultaneously and wants to make a career out of it really pay attention to today's episode i really hope you enjoy it and we're going to start off with tatiana introducing herself but don't forget to like the podcast subscribe to the podcast and follow on instagram at boom biology podcast so tatiana i'd first of all like you to introduce yourself hello my name is tatiana i'm a molecular biologist by training but actually since the beginning of this year i work as a full-time freelance scientific illustrator so what made you decide that you wanted to be a scientific illustrator? Okay, actually, that was a bit of a revelation for me when I realized that there actually is a profession that requires both artistic and scientific skills. Because beforehand, you could say at every educational junction in my life, I felt like I had to choose between art and science. And I always went for the science part and kept being artistic or having artful activities from my leisure time. And then at some point a few years ago, I realized that there's also a need in society for visual communication of scientific content and that I could contribute to that. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I heard about it, it was on TV. Do you know that show, Atypical? I actually don't know. No, but Atypical is a show about the main character he has autism and he really likes studying about Antarctica and stuff and then from then on to study at college he was also a really good artist so he found this course called scientific illustration and he studies that as on the show so it's really interesting to see him draw his penguins but also learn more about science and be smart in both of those fields you should watch it yeah I'll I'll have a look thank you for the uh, Um, advice did you study scientific illustration in any way or did you take a particular course for the subject? Unfortunately, I, I didn't study it properly. I wish I had, but by the time I realized that this is a profession you can actually study, including a master's degree, I was kind of settled already. I had finished my five years of university, started to finally earn some money. You cannot study that in Austria, where I am based. And honestly, I was not prepared to go abroad and start from scratch again. And thought I can try to find my individual route. So one one course that really helped me a lot to refine some drawing skills was by a science illustrator in New York. And she's called Gretchen K. Halpert. And she does a very one-to-one distance learning program. So I would have never imagined that that could work so well, even through the computer kind of digitally. And then I also attended some workshops and um, conferences. And I just realized the more I talked to these people who already work as science illustrator, that 
this is really how I can see myself in the future. So it was really, yeah, a drive, you could say. And the courses that you took and the workshops that you attended, what did they look like? How was it a lot of just drawing or did you have to research biology stuff or science stuff before that? Like were both of them integrated or was it mainly just art? So um, the, the course by Gretchen is basically gives you all the tools you need. So she has different sections. She really goes into drawing objects from nature, could be anything you like or you're interested in and goes through these classical techniques like pencil, um, colored pencil, pen and ink, watercolor, and covers all things like proportion, perspective, composition, and yeah, also always the very scientific details of what you draw. It's not about the aesthetics also, but it's, it's very much about the precision. And then another Another workshop I took was in Belgium. It's called Dissection Drawing Days. And it was with medical students, an anatomy teacher. And we had actually corpses of, um, of, of humans, or so human dead bodies, but also dead animals. And they were dissected and people were drawing life in an auditorium. And um, this was very at the beginning. So I could learn from the other um, attendants who were already um, medical illustration students from the UK, how you actually approach such a, such a task to, and, and, and what did they take care of? And then you start networking and then you talk to people and you get a better idea of what else you could do to, to just progress on your own journey. Another conference that was extremely helpful was from the, it's called GNSI, Guild of Natural Science Illustrators. Um, that was that's a big community. Well, actually, not so big uh, in the in the US. And there you could meet botanical medical illustrators, but also people who work on 3D animation. Um, and wait, I think I'm drifting from your initial question, um, the research part exactly. So it it depends. So most of these workshops or conferences really had. Um, participants that were either pure scientists or pure artists and the combination of both and automatically I don't know if if like me you have this background in science and you went to university you and you have this goal of becoming a scientific illustrator you naturally ask questions and do research because you know it's not just about drawing that one flower for instance but creating an image that represents the average flower and not just the one that you found, but you need to make sure not to introduce any artifacts. And it's like that for every other thing you draw. If you have find reference materials, you need to double check with several of them that it really makes sense and also not to copy mistakes that other people maybe made in their sketches. Um, yes, <laughs> that was a long answer. No, you're completely fine. What does your day-to-day -day job as an illustrator look like? It's extremely versatile. So usually I work on one or two different projects in parallel. And depending on the progress of the project, I, I switch between 
as we just mentioned, the research stage, so collection of reference material and information, or the sketching stage and final rendering. And in between, I have some meetings and calls. So it's um, every day is a little different, I would say. When it comes to creating an illustration, how do you plan and prepare a piece? So usually every project starts with a customer briefing. So that means it's usually scientists with an expertise in a specific field that approach me or yeah, we happen to meet each other and realize there's, um, there's an opportunity to visualize um, part of their research they are doing. So there's a, a conversation about the, the need, the purpose, their expectations, timelines, of course, but also things like format, style, size of the piece. And based on that, I try to come up with sketches or adapt already existing ones. And then you discuss things like color palette and I start finalizing the piece. And usually there are several rounds of correction rounds and back and forth and small details. And yeah, it's a very good learning curve. And yeah, that's basically the process, how it works for me. And where does your work end up? Does it end up online? or does it end up in a research paper usually, or could it be both? Most things are digital. So mostly I draw, for instance, graphical abstracts. And nowadays journals are not printed that much anymore. So it's for scientific journals. It could also be the editorials or a cover image for a magazine, but honestly, I never made it on the cover of any magazine yet. Um, but it could also be, so I'm also creating customized icons that um, sometimes young group leaders of research groups, they want to establish their own kind of icon library on the theme they have. And then I provide them the individual things that also they can use and build their own graphics with for PowerPoint presentations or posters, or it could also be for for grant proposals, because they also require visual abstracts. I did one work, but that was more artistic, a bit less scientific for a children's cancer research report. So there's an annual report. It's a hospital in Vienna or a research, actually a research institute connected to a hospital in Vienna in Austria. And they always print this for also uh, the people who donate and to the in investors, basically. So this is going to be something hardcover printed where I created some, some fitting um, yeah, images between the texts and so on. So again, very versatile, I would say. And how long usually does a project or a piece take? Well, you can imagine it depends a lot on the complexity and on the size. I would say a few hours, maybe four or five hours, minimum up to 20, 25, maybe also more. Uh, yeah, could be also more hours. Um, average 10, 15, I don't know, something like that. And would you mind describing your transition from being a molecular biologist to becoming an illustrator? 
like were there aspects in your molecular biology job that made you think for example if you were working in the lab and drawing diagrams anyways that oh I could do this or did they relate to each other in any way mm -hmm. uh, no I absolutely don't mind so as I mentioned before to you I, I always liked drawing and um it, this, this transition was a bit of a long process since I had a full-time job in a laboratory for six years. And throughout that time, I, I started to do more and more of these illustrations. So first I realized, okay, there is such a profession. You can aim for that job in a way. And so I slowly started to try to broaden my skill set in my free time, um, went to these conferences in my vacation, and then my first tasks or little jobs were from my former bosses in the lab. I did what I like to call slide beautification. So when they had presentations, I tried to make them look a bit more clear, clean, prettier. And yeah, then I had some more people who realized, ah, there's this, so Tatiana could possibly help you out. So I, I had more and more of these tasks. And at some point, it was a bit overwhelming to do these things after work in the late evenings or on the weekends. So I started to reduce my lab working hours to have a bit more flexibility and also to have a bit of time for, for classes and courses for self-education. And the plan was to do this kind of, to reduce my working hours in the lab more and more since I enjoyed the drawing part a lot. And I figured by staying in scientific illustration, I'm not going to lose the scientific part inside myself but then basically every freelancer I talked to told me it's not a good idea to do both unless you try it full-hearted you're never going to commit to it as much and you will never find out if this is going to work out and it's true because as long as you have a stable job a lot of energy goes there and uh, you never feel the pressure to to really do this yeah full-time kind of yeah so yeah at some point I, I i just decided to give it a try and um yeah it's 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 a very interesting journey for me how is this job similar and then different to being an artist it's a tricky one because i i believe i'm cannot really answer that since I don't consider myself an artist rather an illustrator. Of course, I, I have a few thoughts on that. Mm, well, I think artists, I mean, some of them may disagree now, but that's my personal opinion. I think they are mainly quite free in how they convey a message, whereas I have to care a lot about scientific accuracy. And also an artist may produce a piece which allows the observer for individual interpretation uh, and may cause an emotional response. Whereas I mainly try to convey information as it is. Artists also spend many years to refine their techniques and develop a recognizable style. Certainly there are also scientific illustrators who are fine artists and went through this. Personally, I didn't. So I work in different media depending on the request. So that's maybe a similarity in both. Yeah, not, not quite the same. Something that is maybe similar is that you run into phases of lack of ideas and motivation and that can be a little bit hard. And yeah, and you work independently on your own. That's maybe also a similarity. 
so what kind what kind of things would you be drawing mainly i think because of my background mainly i happen to get projects that deal with cellular processes things that happen in tissues of the body and as i said this could be for graphical abstracts or scientific journals but also just customized icons or if I have time, I also really love to draw objects from the nature that surrounds me, a twig, a shell, insects. I, I really like insects. Yeah, and, and if it's something editorial, it could also be more with more artistic freedom and less accuracy. And what would your favorite thing be to draw? My favorite thing? I cannot name a specific theme or item, but certainly something that has a lot of structural details. And even though I did study molecular biology, as you know yourself, biology is such a huge field, you can never cover everything. And there's always new things to explore. And what I like best is if I learn something new while I draw. And if in the course of my research, I suddenly understand something that I never thought about before. One example is that recently I got quite excited about spermatogenesis because I, I work on a, on a project about microtubules in, in spermatogenesis. And I just never thought about the complexity of this process. And yeah, it's so it affects every human being, but we often don't think about these things. Mm -hmm. So would you consider scientific illustration, since it's so new, do you consider it like a growing field and also a profitable one? Like, is it a sustainable way to make money? And do you think it is going to be growing more in the future? I absolutely think so, yes. Maybe the so corona pandemic taught us many things, but also the fact that I think almost everyone knows what this virus looks like and has an idea now, a better idea, hopefully, about how vaccination and antibody production works. And all of this is because of visual communication of, of such processes and explanatory animations and videos. And people like to inform themselves. I think it's always good if you can research yourself, find some references and not just if you don't have to trust somebody else who tells you something. So I think people become not just more and more curious, but also maybe more and more skeptical, which is also a good thing or critical, let's put it that way, critical towards information. We're being flooded with a lot of information online and also in the streets. Um, so I think if, if part of this information is kind of how to say, you, you know, information you can trust because experts thought about it that can only be beneficial for our society. And in terms of its profitability, yeah, I believe, I, I don't know how many science illustrators there are out there in numbers, and I don't know how many more we could need, but I see, you know, you can also work uh, in a museum or can help prepare material for schools. I think a lot of books, textbooks could could profit from being renewed, uh, updated, and information is growing. 
um, knowledge is growing every every second and yeah we need to find ways to visualize this complex data that are generated all the time so i do think it's very a very promising field and um, if that's something anyone listening to is interested in you should definitely consider it as a as a job yeah what kind of equipment and software do you use for creating your illustrations and stuff it's always good of course to have a piece of paper and some pencils for sketching sketching out your first ideas and also when you talk to potential customer um, or collaboration partner you can already put down your ideas and see whether you got it right i work a lot digitally I draw on an iPad Pro, which has a Procreate software, which a lot of people do. Some others use these Wacom drawing tablets. And I think definitely necessary are vector graphic programs or some basic image post-processing software like um, from the Adobe. So basically, I, I need a computer, tablet, paper, and um, occasionally also traditional media like ink, watercolor, but um, that's less common in my case. And would your illustrations always include color or would they sometimes be in black and white no, as well? Not necessarily, no. Could be black and white as well. And they're also very beautiful techniques to still do shading or highlight some things um, just by thickening out a few lines or you can have stippling or cross-hatching to, to make things a bit three-dimensional. So it's true color is not always needed, uh, but it can also help to highlight some things. And in your opinion, what makes a good scientific illustration? I think a good scientific illustration would ideally not require a legend, but so it can speak for itself. If colors are chosen, they should be chosen in a way to help the observer focus on the important details, while one still gives a bigger context around it. So to contextualize whatever you want to show, let's say a cellular process to still have the tissue where this happens, and maybe um, you can see the organ where this tissue is residing or something like that. And importantly, a good illustration can decipher something very complex. So you can break it down into something very comprehensible. Maybe not, it could be simplicity, but it could also be, yeah, breaking it down and showing individual stages, either over time or zooming in a way that everybody can follow this logic. And I once heard Janet Ivaza, so she's doing 3D animation, say that when she shows her 3D animations that are based on the, the 3D protein structures to, let's say, a, a child, and it could be uptake of a virus into a cell, and the, a child watches such an animation, then the child can ask questions because maybe it's a simplified terminology, but there are ways to interact and and understand and doubt things. Whereas when you read the text that describes this process to a child, it will probably be lost. So I think images are really powerful to help people understand things. 
also you should be accurate and in line with the graphic representation in the field you are working with so for some fields there are specific color codes or unwritten laws uh, yeah, and finally, the overall piece should be pleasing to the eye, whatever that means, because it's very individual. But um, yeah, I guess that makes a good illustration. So how could the average student who would be listening to this and, you know, if when they're studying, they'd be drawing diagrams either as part of their lab work or for their own study, how can they improve their diagrams or have a better quality diagram? Yeah, thank you for this question. I, I think generally less is more, where I'm, whereas I'm referring to the mixture of colors and fonts. And when I think of presentations like PowerPoint presentations, if possible, I would always recommend to have, for instance, three individual slides with separate content over one slide with three images. I often have also the impression that labelings are way too small, so you really dare to blow them up. With every diagram or graph, one should follow a left to right and top to bottom logic, and arrows can also be very helpful with that. I'm a little bit picky with, <laughs> with the fact that I like lines and boxes to be aligned parallel to each other. Maybe you can compare it to tidying up a room. If, if you have a messy room, then just putting everything in place and, and yeah, it kind of perpendicular to each other already makes it look so much cleaner, even though the number of objects never reduced. And then I would also say, if you want to stick out with your graph, you can try something different and be creative. So for instance, everything is digital nowadays. And then, to, to include some hand-drawn graph, just to draw it and scan it, can be already different and memorable. Or you could also make a small stop-motion animation from paper, which is not a lot of effort. You can either print things and cut them and take photos and move them a little bit around. And that makes it very catchy for the observer. And you want to usually yeah, make a point and that can really help. In case you're not sure which graph to use for your kind of data set, um, do some research because they're really great websites that guide you through all these types of charts and graphs and diagrams that there are, whether you can program and code or not, yeah, and, and give you new ideas on how to represent your data. One that comes to my mind is called From Data to Viz, so V-I-Z for visualization anymore. And would you have any advice for those considering going into scientific illustration or just having a more of an interest in the subject to kind of pursue it. Yeah, so don't get discouraged at any point because there are plenty very highly talented people out there. And still, I think you can find your niche by being patient and persistent in what you're doing. It takes, I think, many different skills together. So just keep on doing what you like and keep on practicing. I would also advise you to talk to various people who are already a step ahead of you. So especially during these conferences, um, walk up to a speaker and talk to them or talk to the other members. And um, yeah, there are, for instance, so science illustration is by itself, again, a very big field. There are botanical, medical illustrators, 3D animators, and depending on what 
sounds most appealing to you or try out different things, different media. You can you can go for a full education or attend workshops and conferences. Yeah, the last point I would say is when you feel a little bit confident that this is what you want to do, I would advise you to start talking about it. Talk about yourself, become visible, prepare a portfolio, even if it's just three or four drawings, images you like. Um, spread the word, let the people know that you are out there and then you will get your first tasks and customers. And then this is very, very rewarding if, if you feel like, yeah, this is going into the right direction, very motivating. And if ever, anyone has a specific question, even though I just started out myself rather recently, I'm very happy and open to answer any further questions or forward any reference sources of workshops and conferences I've heard of or people that I think uh, could be helpful to do classes with if anybody's interested. Thank you so much. That was some really good advice and you answered everything really well. Thank you so much for coming on today and for giving us such valuable insights into this kind of new and growing field. I would like to thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And yeah, just please continue with your wonderful podcast, Spreading Science. <laughs> Thank you. And that is a wrap for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and got more valuable insights into the field of science illustration and you learned more about visual communication being used in science. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast and follow on Instagram at Bloom Biology Podcast. Don't forget to check out Tatiana's own work, which is linked in the bio on both Instagram and her website, sceillustration.at. And thank you so much for listening and to tune into Boom Biology's own website as well. All the links are down below. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.